Welcome to episode 78 of the practice of nonprofit leadership. I am Nathan Ruby. One of the goals that Tim and I have for this podcast is to bring you insights, action steps, and hands-on ideas on how to be a better executive director. We don't want you to suffer what I call the Mr. Hackle effect. Now, Mr. Hackle was my fifth grade math teacher. Well, I, I guess I went to a very small school, so Mr. Hackle was actually my fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade math teacher. And Mr. Hackle would write the problem on the board, and as I was sitting in the classroom and I was watching him do it on the board, everything would make perfect sense. I totally got what he was doing. And later that day, I would get home, open up my homework. Well, when I did my homework, <laughs> I would open my homework. And by the third problem, I would have zero idea of what to do. None. Nada. Now, Tim and I want to make sure that you have real actionable information that you can apply to your situation long after the Mr. Hackle effect has taken effect. So we want to make a difference in how you do your work as an executive director. And we also don't want to overcomplicate things either. So today we have four very basic tips for you to think about when you are getting ready to schedule a donor visit. So let's get into it. All right. Number one, what do you wear? Okay, I get it. Maybe that's a maybe it's a touch of an eclectic or a bit of a weird topic, but we get questions on this all the time. So here's a few things to think about. First of all, what is the culture of your organization? What do you typically wear on a normal day at work? So if your organization, let's say your organization does community gardens and you spend part of your day in the garden. Well, you probably wear something like shorts and a t-shirt and maybe boots or maybe tennis shoes. That that would be something that if you were working in the garden, that would be kind of typical. Maybe it's jeans, whatever. Um, so if that's what you wear on a typical day and you have a donor coming, well, then it's okay to wear what you typically would wear for most donors. So if you are leading a symphony then you probably wouldn't wear shorts and a t-shirt on a typical average day. Maybe if you're working on the stage or if you're working somewhere, maybe, but typically you probably wouldn't wear that. So wear what you would typically wear. So if you typically, again, I've said that word like four times now, but typically what you wear to work every day will be okay for most donors most of the time. Another thing to think about is what is the culture of the person you're meeting? There are some professions that still dress pretty formal. Uh, attorneys uh, typically are dressed, you know, and uh, skirts, dresses, suits, ties, pretty typical for attorneys. Bankers as well. So I have a, uh, in the past, I've had a donor who was a, their family had a small town community bank. And this donor is very formal. She will write letters to me as, as correspondence and they are typewritten and they are formal. And so in the, in the past, when I went to see her, she, I always dressed up because her 
vision, her world was dressed very nicely. So even now that she's long time retired, uh, when I go to see her, I do it dressed up because that is what she expects to see. Always have always have slacks and a jacket at minimum. And if it's not too hot, I actually wear a tie. And let me tell you, I hardly ever wear a tie anymore. So uh, so look at the profession of the of the donor. And is there any anomalies in how they dress? OK, uh, where are you meeting? You always take that into effect. So if you are take it into account, if you were meeting at your office, then it, you're probably okay wearing what you normally wear to work. Uh, if you're going to the donor's office, what is the culture of that office? What do they typically wear at that office and then dress to that, to that standard? If you're meeting someone at a local country club or at a higher end restaurant, are there any dress restrictions? You know, we try not to embarrass our donors. So if you have a, you know, if you're meeting at the country club and they have a very formal dress, uh, dress code, you don't want to show up in shorts, flip flops and a tank top, obviously. So I had one time I was, this was long ago and I was working in an industry that typically didn't dress, uh, well, uh, for work. It was a, it was more of a, uh, jeans and t-shirt type of industry. And I was meeting uh, one of our board members and we were going to a company. This was a, a rather large company, one you probably would recognize if you heard it. Uh, but the industry was, was it just, it, you know, w- when people in the industry went to work, they did not dress up. And now this was a corporate setting, so I didn't wear jeans, but I had on uh, slacks and a polo. And I was meeting my board member at the on the first floor of this company. And we were meeting actually outside on the on the sidewalk. And then we were going to go in together. And I walked up and I came around the corner. And there's my board member dressed in suit and tie. And I'm in slacks at a polo. And I think to myself, oh, no. And so I went up to <laughs> when I got up to the board member, he literally says, what are you wearing? And I said, well, I, I, you know, I, I got on what I got on. He goes, oh, he said, I don't even know if they're going to let us onto the executive floor with you wearing that. And I said, really? He goes, yes, this office has a strict formal dress policy. And he goes, I, he said, we could try. I don't know if they'll let us in or not. And I, oh man. So we get in the elevator, we go up and the, uh, we had to check in at the, at the desk, at the security desk. And we get in the elevator, we go up, the door opens and there's our contact meeting us. And the first thing he does is he looks at, he looks at the donor who he knew, our board member that they knew each other. He looks at me, he literally, his eyes go down and back up and you see his shoulders drop. He's like, oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not going well. And uh, so, but he was gracious and we came off the elevator and, you know, we did our meeting and, and my, my board member apologized for my dress, said, you know, that I didn't know. Uh, pretty awkward situation. And uh, so ultimately we did not get the gift. Now, was it because of my dress for that? Um, I don't know, probably not, but it certainly didn't hurt, uh, or didn't help. So anyway, since that time, whenever I'm meeting another donor, I don't know with a board member or one of our current donors, I always ask very simply, 
Is there a dress code? What should I wear? Every single time. I never made that mistake again. What you wear can can make a difference with some donors. So just be aware of those things. Uh, next, where should you host the meeting? I think, in my opinion, where you host the meeting really it focuses around what do you want to accomplish? What what is it? What is it that is the goal of the meeting? So is this a first time meeting? Are are you just cultivating? Are you trying to get information? Are you just trying to deepen the relationship? Well, if that's the case, then you know you can meet in public. You can meet at a coffee shop. You can meet at a restaurant. Um, it, it, it's okay to be out in public if you're not talking about really finite questions to the donor. Uh, so first time meetings, cultivation meetings, out in public is fine. If you want to show your programming, if you want your donor to learn more hands-on about what you do, then, you know, that probably means inviting them to your place if you, you know, if you have a building, if you have a location, or you could invite them to a project location uh, to see in action how, how your programming is carried out. So you basically want them to come to you if you're trying to show your programming. Um, if you are making an ask, here is uh, where things get a little more complicated. If you're making an ask, I really recommend that you don't do that in public. Uh, do that at their home. Do it at your office. Uh, do it at their office. Uh, making an ask is a very personal situation, and you really don't want to be bothered by people around you in public. You want to. We want to keep that private. Uh, so. Um, another thing to think of on where do you, where do you host the meeting is some place that you can keep relative control of the situation. So what do I mean by that? Well, a lot of restaurants, and maybe it's cause I'm just getting a little older than I used to be, but to me, these, some of these restaurants, the music is so loud. You can't even hear each other talk. Or maybe it's a, maybe the restaurant itself is really loud. Maybe the acoustics, you know, a lot of restaurants, uh, you know, microbreweries and some of these other restaurants, there's no carpet. It's a, the, the ceilings are not finished and it's the big, you know, all the HVAC is, is exposed. Those type of restaurants can be really loud and it becomes very difficult to hear your donor and for them to hear you. Or you may have the exact opposite. It may be so quiet that everyone within four tables can hear every word that you're saying. So just try to pick a place where you have some control of the situation and whether it's too loud or too quiet. Uh, another thing would be, where is the donor comfortable? Uh, are you, are you meeting in the winter when you could have snow or maybe it will be dark when the donor goes home or driving in the rain or parking, you know, do they have to walk? Do they have to pay for parking? So just kind of keep in mind some of those things that we're trying to keep the donor as comfortable and make it as easy as possible. So when you're picking a place to, to meet, if there is issues like that, just be aware of those and how it may impact your donor. Number three. Let's talk about what you should prepare in advance. What do you take with you to these donor visits? Uh, and I think over the years, these, this has really changed. I, early in my career, uh, you know, taking full blown packets were a, a big deal. And, you know, if I was doing this podcast 10 years ago, we would have already had episodes about how you create a packet and what it looks like and what order should the documents go. And, 
I, you know, I think there's still a place for packets, but probably not as much as there was five, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, because now, uh, you know, most people will utilize email. Uh, and so electronic documents are much more important than they were in the past. Now, I am personally, I am a, when it comes to taking documents to a donor meeting, I am a minimalist. I usually take the absolute bare minimum into a donor meeting unless there's some other reason that I need to take things. So typically I take either a portfolio uh, that has a legal pad inside where I have my agenda written out on that legal pad or I take my iPad uh, since I think I've talked a couple of times on here that since I've always I've had an iPad for <sighs> I don't know when they, whenever they first came out, I had an iPad and recently I got my Apple pencil uh, for the first time and I love it. Uh, and so often when I go into a donor uh, into a meeting, I'll just have my iPad and then I'll have my agenda written out on my notes section. Uh, and when I sit down with a, with a donor, I'll either open up my portfolio or open up my iPad. And I always say, I frame it in the question, do you mind if I take notes? And then I add, because my memory is about 30 seconds. Uh, and the donor usually laughs and they say, no, that's fine. And, and that way it's not awkward for me to be writing on the legal pad or on my iPad during the, during the meeting. Cause they know that I'm taking notes. Typically, Normally, I do not take a packet in with me. Any follow-up material, brochures, reports, proposals, I email those later. Uh, I, I just I think it's so easy to give a donor a packet, and packets are expensive. Brochures are expensive, and documents are expensive. That's all expensive stuff. And to me, I know when somebody gives me a packet of information, one of two things happen. One, I lose it. Or two, I pitch it as soon as I get to I get home. And so I think that's a, a lot of people do that. Maybe not everybody does that. So uh, typically I will email those things later in the day or the next day so that my donor has them. I think my only caveat to that would be if the donor struggles with email, then I will bring everything hard copy. Uh, but I do not pull that out of my bag until we're done. During the during the call, during the meeting, I want the focus on me. I want the focus on the conversation and and the relationship between the two of us. That's where I want the focus. At the end of the meeting, right before I go, then I'll pull out the packet and say, you know, here I I developed these for you. You know, these are some of the things that we talked about and, you know, you can review them at, at your, at your leisure. Uh, and then I leave. So I don't bring that out until the very end. Now that's how I do it. You obviously can do it. What, how you're comfortable. If you want to have a, a, a hard copy that you go through, you know, with the donor and you look at it together, that's totally okay. It is just whatever is most comfortable for you. Okay. Lastly, I was talking about agendas. So what do I have on my agenda when I walk into a donor meeting? Well, again, I'm a minimalist, so I don't have a lot on there. Uh, the first thing I always leave on my agenda is plenty of white space, plenty of room to be able to write my notes, to write comments, to write things that, uh, that come up during the, during the visit that I think is important. So plenty of space for me to, to write notes. That's primary. All right. The agenda itself, number one on my agenda, every agenda I ever have, number one is thanking the donor. 
And all I have is thank you. It is a reminder to thank the donor, either A, for their past giving, if, if they're a current donor, uh, and also to thank the donor for their willingness to meet with me that day. Or if it's a new prospect and they, they are not a current donor, then the thank you is just, you know, thank you for spending part of your day with me. Thank you for being willing to meet uh, and just to share some time together. So that is, I always lead off every single time. I don't care if it's a new donor, an existing donor, thank you comes first. Then my second bullet is what information am I trying to find out? So I will have two or three questions as prompts uh, for me to remind me of where I want the conversation to go. What is it about our organization that excites you the most? Tell me your story. How did you get connected with our or organization? So tell me what are, what are some of the philanthropic efforts that you're involved in? What, whatever, you know, how do you know uh, the, if you, if I had a board member set this uh, visit up, so how do you know our board member? What's that relationship? W whatever the case may be, I will have two, three, four questions written down as prompts for me to remember. That comes second. Third is my goals. What am I trying to achieve out of this visit? Is the goal to invite to our next event? Is the goal to set up a second cultivation uh, visit? Is the goal to meet with the donor spouse or business partner or what, whatever, whatever I'm trying to achieve that is on third on my list so that I know and I remember what it is that I'm trying to achieve, what goal I have for this meeting. And then fourth is next step. And that is a reminder for me to never, ever, ever leave a donor visit, whether it's in person, on the phone, by email, through text, whatever it is, never finish that interaction without an agreement on the next step. So if the next step is a, let's say the next step is a visit to a project site. All right. You want to ask that donor to get their calendar out and let's get a date on the calendar before you leave. Now, if that date has to change, okay, that's fine. But you want that next step done and agreed upon before you leave because you always have to remember as the executive director, you are thinking about this organization. You were thinking about these donors. You were thinking about this stuff basically nonstop, but your donors aren't. As soon as you go your separate ways from this visit, that donor immediately goes back to their business, back to their issues, back to their problems, back to their goals, the things that they're trying to achieve. And they forget about you and your agenda. So get a, an agreement on that next step before you leave. So the agenda is thank you, information, uh, questions, prompts on what you want to find out, goal, next step. That's how I set up my uh, donor visit agenda. Ultimately, we want our interactions with donors to be simple and effective. By planning ahead, you will position yourself to be as effective as possible. And here's one last quick idea. When you are at a restaurant with a donor and the question that always comes up when you walk into the restaurant, well, not always, but often is, would you like a table or a booth? Always take the table. It is much easier to get in and out of a table than it is a booth. A table also allows the donor to position themselves in a way that makes them feel most comfortable. When you're in a booth, you don't get to 
dictate how far away from the table you sit. The booth dictates that for you. You want your donor to be comfortable so that they can focus on you. The best way to achieve that is taking the table and not the booth. Well, thank you for listening today. If you are benefiting from what is being shared on this podcast, would you please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on? Let us know how the podcast is benefiting you. If you would like to get in touch with Tim or I, our contact information can be found in the show notes. Well, that's all for today. Until next time.